Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Today's episode features Mitch Light of The Athletic. We will talk basketball and baseball. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. The news today presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt Baseball takes two games of a three-game series this weekend at Oklahoma State. Lots of stars in that one. Isaiah Thomas hits three home runs. Tate Colwick hits two. But I guess the biggest, Kumar Rocker, throws eight shutout innings, strikes out nine, and ends up as the SEC's pitcher of the week. Commodores now go to 12-2 and two on the season, come home and face Belmont on Tuesday. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and and aesthetics of your smile, Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Mitch Light from The Athletic joins us as he does every week. Mitch, thanks for joining us in what to me is the most fun time of the year, or at least at least when you don't have a cold it is, but even with the cold, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, I always enjoy Selection Sunday, and um, it's funny. I've mentioned this in the past to you on this podcast, and now that I'm not at Athlon Sports anymore and don't not in charge of the college basketball magazine, I still obviously follow college basketball and watch enjoy it but i'm not as deeply involved like i used to do brackets and stuff and or you know projections and stuff so it's kind of fun you know watching the selection show just sort of as a fan and not being like immediately like oh i had them two spots higher or you know i I couldn't make a good put it put it this way i couldn't make a good argument why louisville should or shouldn't be in and i kind of enjoyed being on the outside looking in yeah i bet Uh, sometimes it's nice just to enjoy basketball and i have to work basketball Exactly, exactly. But yeah, it's good. And then obviously we, we all, I know if you're listening to this, you probably enjoy the college baseball season heating up as well too. So definitely a, a good time of the year. 
Well, before we get into Vanderbilt-specific topics, of course, the bracket out. But the biggest news as of Monday afternoon, I guess, was that Indiana has moved on from Archie Miller. Your thoughts on that and who you think Indiana might hire? Yeah, not not a great surprise there. You know, just, just reading the tea leaves, or not just the tea leaves, actually reading things that people in the know wrote. It just seems like he had lost all of the, his support, the boosters, and um, – it was a big buyout, but the boost, you know, I don't know if it was one or multiple, but basically the, the some boosters wrote the check so the school didn't have to write the $10 million check. And that's one of those, and this is not an original thought, but one of those where we just we just don't know about coaching hires because that one checked all the boxes um, and just could never gain any momentum there, uh, underachieved. And so, yeah, there's, I think uh, Scott Drew makes a lot of sense. Obviously, um, with his Indiana ties and his success at Baylor building that program, I think actually he has the right temperament for that job. Um, I think, you know, I don't know any of these coaches, but Archie Miller seems very high strung and that fan base is very, very passionate and demanding. And, and I don't know, it just seems like Scott Drew could deal with that well. I saw Chris Beard's name floated around. I think he's clearly one of the best coaches in the country. So um, it might have been Jeff Goodman who po- posted those two. But I, I would agree that those would be the t- two guys that I would go after. Beard, I think, is from West Texas and has yes. maybe a custody situation with kids there. So I would be a little surprised if yeah. Beard took it for that reason, but it is Indiana. Yeah, it is. And I, you, you can argue the, the positives, the pros and cons of any job. And this is an overused term in, in college sports, sleeping giant. But Indiana is, in my mind, in college football and college basketball, one of those schools that truly is underachieving on a national basis and can be elite. I, I just don't see any reason why it can't. It's unbelievable fan base, tradition. Um, I don't know about their facilities. I assume their, you know, their facilities are good. Uh, the gym's a little antiquated, but I think it's been re- remodeled a little bit. And uh, there's there's enough good players in Indiana in the Midwest. It's not like college football where all, you know, all the good talents in the Southeast. So I, I really believe the right coach can get that thing back to elite status. But I mean, the big Ten's a very, very competitive league right now and other good coaches have failed to do it there. So it's, it's far from a slam dunk. I do think it takes the right person, like a great coach, a mid major, great coach might win somewhere like, Oh, I, I don't know. Let me just throw this out there. Um, an Oklahoma or an LSU where the pressure isn't as high, I guess on basketball, but you still have all the luxuries of a state school or whatever. I think jobs like Kentucky and Indiana, North Carolina take on a different dimension where like you saw Billy Gillespie had torn it up at Texas A&M, didn't do so well at Kentucky. You have the Miller situation in Indiana. And speaking of a common denominator here with that and this situation, how about Dayton where you've had Anthony Grant and Archie Miller both had a lot more success at Dayton than they did at Alabama and Indiana. No, Indiana and Alabama are different uh, because I think Alabama's actually a decent job because football takes a lot of the pressure off you. So I don't understand that one. But it does seem like it takes sort of a unique personality to win at those big jobs. In other words, I think sometimes a great coach might win at a big school and might not win at Indiana uh, because of the pressure. Just a theory uh, maybe I am oversimplifying that based on a small sample size, but it is interesting. 
Well, that's why I think Scott Drew. Um, he just seems to kind of roll with the punches, kind of an off shucks type of guy and, and not that high strung. I do know some people that know him well. Um, not that I know him, but I just think – and I, I'll, I'll push back a little bit on – because I keep hearing, and I have nothing against Anthony Grant, but I think his resume is a little inflated. Like at Dayton, they had that amazing year last year. But so I'll give him the NCAA tournament. He took over a program that had been to the NCAA tournament a bunch under Archie Miller. I could look it up, but I'm looking at Anthony Grant right now. And, you know, they went nine and seven in the league this year. He'll have been, uh, you know, one NCAA tournament in four appearances, taking over a program that, if you give me two seconds, Archie Miller had been. Um, had been to four straight NCAA tournaments. So took over four straight, been to one and four. So um, I'll, I'll push just for, for no other reason. I have a friend who was always pushing Anthony Grant for every job. And I was just like, I don't think his, I don't think his resume is as good as people think it is. Well, he did go 76 and 25 in three years at VCU. I went to yeah, the tournament uh, I mean, twice. So, was, yeah. Yeah. That's why he was such a prime candidate at Alabama too. I'm not, good guy, good coach. And, you know, went to Dayton He's a good fit at Dayton. I just, I, th and I wasn't saying you, you were saying this. I think some people just because they had that amazing year last year, uh, that think he's just killing it at, at, at Dayton and, and one tournament in four years in the big picture really isn't satisfying. Probably wouldn't satisfy Dayton fans in the long term. No, that's fair. Um, and let's switch to Vanderbilt. The season's ended. You and I have not done a podcast since the season has been over. I did one with Seabass on Friday I said I think next year if Pippen and DeSue come back, it's probably an NIT team with the chance that if it wins a couple close games that it's not been winning to maybe sneak in as an 11 or 12. You think that's a fair place to set the bar? Now, if DeSue and Pippen aren't back, different conversation. But assuming yeah. they are, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm a little more bullish, and I think I had this. I made this point maybe in the last podcast or two. I, I think this can be an incident, and I know you're saying they can be. I think it's um, – I'd put it at 50-50 if they both come back or better. Um, I, I think I just saw enough of some of the supporting cast uh, down the stretch um, to, to give me that hope in, in, in the development. And I, I keep saying this, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of coaches talk about development and all that, and you don't really see it. So far, we've seen it from Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, you, you know, his players have clearly gotten better. And if we come back next year, early in the season, and some of those guys like Miles Studi and, and, and uh, Trey Thomas have clearly gotten even better, then I think it's really something you can point to and say, yeah, this, this staff does a great job in development. Now, if it's just DeSue got better and Pippen got better, it's like you can just say, okay, those are really good players who improved in the offseason. Um, but uh, again, I think I've seen enough of the supporting cast that if, if all the key parts come back, that this can be an NCAA tournament team. Um, so, you know, We'll see, but I thought it was encouraging the way they played in the um, conference tournament. You know, no doubt Texas A&M has its issues, but that was a team that actually played pretty well in its last two games before that. They had they uh, had Arkansas down with under under four minutes to go and lost that game. And I, I like the way that Vanderbilt kind of lost that lead and then battled back. And then you know, obviously played after a poor first half, played really well against Florida. So I think definitely uh, ended the season uh, on with, with some positive notes. Let's talk baseball. Anytime you lose the Sunday game, I think that dampens things just a little bit uh, because we kind of have a lingering feeling on whatever it is we saw last. But, man, I think you had to be thrilled with the way they played in Stillwater. 
Yeah, the, the psychology of college baseball is really weird. I mean, ideally, you probably want to, if you're going to go two or three, you want to win the first game and the third game, just from a psychological standpoint. But just to lay the smack down like Vanderbilt did on Saturday, I think was was very impressive. And obviously, you want to win three games, but I would argue that I think what the way they played, I'd take two and one with the way they made hard contact and the way that Isaiah Thomas hit the ball and some of those other guys in the lineup hit the ball, you know, I'd almost rather see that than winning two nothing on Sunday and not hitting the ball hard, if that makes sense. I mean, obviously, long term, you want to win games, but I think you're, you're just kind of looking for positive signs. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to talk, toss Thomas Schultz's performance up to a fluke. You know, that's a good Oklahoma State team. And uh, they hit the ball hard in college baseball. It's kind of weird. Look at Arkansas. They they had an emotional win Friday. They won Saturday, and then they're, they're one of the better hitting teams in the country, and they lose 2 nothing to Louisiana Tech Sunday starter. It just tells you how hard it is to sweep. But I, I agree. It's uh, hard not to be really encouraged by what you saw this weekend. Well, they walked, what, 24 times and hit six home runs. Uh, you got a pitcher of the week in Kumar Rocker. Jack Leiter, they just couldn't hit. I mean, he wasn't spot on with his – command and control, but they couldn't hit him anyway. I mean, the Schultz performance was bad. I think he's a better pitcher than that, but the hitting, my goodness. I mean, we yeah. had some concerns about it. I, I was kind of not taking a stand. I mean, I, I I watched them in the fall. And I said, good Lord, this team can hit under the right circumstances. But you also know that's against pitchers they've seen before and, and pitchers they know and just not a lot of game experience. You don't know how that's going to translate. I At this point, I think this is a great hitting team, most likely. Is, is that fair? I mean, maybe, maybe it's premature, but it's just my gut. Yeah, we can only go with what we see, you know, what, what's happened. And they, they've hit the ball pretty, you know, consistently well. And, and the hard contact, too. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. And I think, you know, Jack Bulger's a guy that I, I just remember, you know, a couple lineouts over the weekend. You know, he might not have had the results, although he got a big hit. Uh, you're just looking up and down the lineup and, you know, we, we think Cooper Davis will, will get going and Dominic Keegan obviously being out um, didn't hurt this weekend because they hit the ball well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's power and depth of the entire lineup. One thing that did surprise me, and I don't know if there are any health issues or COVID issues, even if he's even there. I thought we'd see Spencer Jones as a lefty DH yesterday against a right-handed pitcher. I thought that the reason we saw Bulger in the first two games was because there was a lefty on the mound. Um, so that that surprised me a little bit there. But uh, really, yeah, like you said, Chris, a lot to like offensively. I thought, you know, Isaiah Thomas hitting the ball hard was maybe the best sign. Yeah, I have asked on Jones. I don't have an answer. What I've got from a connection, I, I don't think he's got an injury or a COVID thing as far as I know. So that's a bit of a mystery. And especially when you clear the bench, like they did late on Saturday night, where I think they swapped out every starter. You know, I thought Jones would get an at-bat in there, but maybe that's a spot where you give it to somebody that's not going to give it otherwise. But yeah. anyway, that that was one that I was surprised about too. But it's back to what I thought this team could be. And that's one that you can get a run with the with the steal, or you know, or taking an extra base with the Bradfield or a Cooper Davis. There's a lot of home run pop. Let's see how many guys have hit home runs now. What is it? Ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes. Yeah, and congratulations to Troy Laneve too for getting yeah. one. Um, I think the first hit of his career, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I mean, they've got all of a sudden. No, I guess the biggest news of the weekend, the best thing was 
was Isaiah Thomas. Because when Isaiah Thomas hits like that, I mean, good luck in beating them. Right. And it just, it, it was sort of like Isaiah Thomas's struggles was kind of the elephant in the room that, you know, he, he, he wasn't going to get benched long term. But if he was, if he continued to struggle, kind of what were they going to do with him? Um, so, you know, they, they benched him one midweek game and then he, he came on and hit the ball. I mean, came on either pinch hit or was a defensive replacement. Um, so it was just, you know, a really good sign. We, He's he's got as much of a track record on this team as any offensive player, so we, we thought that he would uh, be able to hit the ball. So um, yeah, and, and kind of you alluded to it before, but I with the pitching, I, I thought Rocker was unbelievable. Um, it's hard to say he was better than he was against Duke, and I'm not going to say that, you know. But as far as just efficiency, uh, the number of pitches he threw, and I know, you know, I think I watched most of the game. I I think I remember one hard hit ball. There might have been a couple others, but just uh, soft contact, efficient innings, not taxing your bullpen at all on a Friday night. Our first game of the series, it was really all you could want from your from your number one pitcher. You know, if Jack Leiter can be more pitch efficient, and I think he will, maybe it doesn't make a difference anyway because they've got so many arms, but that makes you just that much tougher to beat in game three. Because then you can really be selective with when you throw guys if Schultz or whoever is in that Sunday spot gets in trouble. Yeah, were you surprised that Patrick Riley got the nod as the number out of the pin there? I mean, the game wasn't really, clearly wasn't out of reach there. And and who are we to second guess? I mean, there's so many good options there and they know their pitching staff. You know, not an Ethan Smith. And I thought, you know, I thought Miles Garrett had looked really good. I I guess Riley had looked good in his previous appearances. So, um, just one of those. If that number two pitcher yesterday uh, w- would have kind of stopped the, the 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 barrage there, Vanderbilt had a really good chance to win that game. Yeah, I was. I really did not expect them to use Laboki in the spot they used on Saturday. I kind of questioned that at the time. Maybe that was a thinking he could get them through the rest of the game kind of thing, perhaps, and then they yeah. would have a lot of other arms. But I thought that they would have gone maybe McIlvain there. But yeah. they didn't. Well, well, I was I was surprised because I mean you had some options. You don't use Laboki on Saturday, then you got him on Sunday. You also had Ethan Smith sitting there who's not pitched a ton, and I know he's your closer, but you know the chances you're going to use him to close on Sunday are slim. So why not try him there? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and again, they have so many good options, and you know if, if Riley shuts them down, then it looks like a great move. Laboki's kind of, and I mentioned last week, he's. You know, I know you want to win every game, and and they thought that the what, did he pitch? Laboki pitched in the the second game of the Saturday or the first game? I forgot. Oh, uh, it was the second game. Yeah. So when when Leiter got pulled, in the, like you know, Laboki's the perfect option when your starter struggles and you need him for three, four, five innings. Uh, he can do that for you. So again, it's it's really difficult to second guess because they have so many good pitchers. But uh, and you know, nothing wrong with taking two or three on the road. Once you win the first two, you, you obviously love to win the third. But um, you know, I, I expect we'll see Schultz be a little more effective this week against South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, they were up 10 nothing when they brought him in. That just wasn't the spot that I thought they would use him in. But, um, you know, not to beat that yeah. to death. But I just thought their approach was really good. I mean, they walked, what, 24 yeah. times? They did not, and I didn't see every pitch, but my goodness, I didn't, I didn't sw- see them swing at many bad ones. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. And uh, speaking of pitches, did, was it the South? Was it the second starter for Oklahoma State? I think I counted at least four times of him walking off the mound, thinking he had a third strike, and um, the guy with the long hair and not yeah, Robleski the umpire. Yeah. At some point, when you're losing, you're you're walking a lot of guys, and you, you got to stop pissing off the ump by walking off the mound. There, you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah, I thought so too, and I thought. The announcers kept acting like the umpire was awful, and it was a tight zone, and maybe from TV it's different, but a lot of those balls that they thought were strikes, I, I thought were, you know, just below the base of the knees balls from from what I was seeing on TV, so I didn't, it, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't, they're there, and, and they've got eyes on things that, that maybe, so there's a perspective there that maybe I don't have, but I, I wasn't as convinced that a lot of the calls were as bad as the announcing crew thought they were. Well, you got to tell you, when, when one of the announcers is the head coach's father, there's right. probably going to bitch about the uh, – I didn't listen to the broadcast much at all. I was I had it on mute while watching basketball. I think I was watching um, – yeah, I was watching basketball Friday and then, and then most of the day Saturday when I had it on. So I, I, I listened to very little of the actual broadcast. Yeah, it was quite a topic of conversation. Uh, Kumar Rocker didn't seem to have a lot of issue with it, although I guess it was a different day. Um, yeah. You know, Leiter did walk three. I, I don't know. But in, anyway, I, I was th- – that was interesting. Hunter Owen threw again, although with the with the huge lead. Um, You know, d- defense is something I wrote about today. And they haven't made a lot of highlight reel plays, but I think this is a good defensive team too, Mitch. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the play up the middle has been very strong, turning double plays. Carter Young's made some errors, but that happens. You know, you get a lot of balls hit you. He makes a lot of really good plays as well. Um, I guess, you know, there's been some case where Bulger may, might not. Is it Bulger or Bulger? It's Bulger, right? Bulger. Bulger, like maybe, you know, he's not a natural outfielder, maybe not taking the best route to a ball once or twice, but uh, obviously Bradfield covers a lot of ground. Isaiah Thomas has made some good plays. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't I don't look at all. And, and uh, Park, I mean, Parker Nolan, who I don't think is a natural first baseman, had some decent scoops, has played the position well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he came in as like a third baseman shortstop, but uh, he, he's done well filling in for Keegan there. So I agree, it looks to be a pretty good defensive team. You know who else is getting lost in the shuffle is Tate Colwick. We don't talk about him a lot, but he had two home runs this weekend, and he had another one that I still don't know how it didn't get out. Um, it hit the top of the fence. It looked like the back of the top of the fence. It must have been a, a board or something sticking up under the padding is the only thing I can figure. Um, he's not made an error yet at second. That kid's been really pretty good so far. Yeah, I mean, his average isn't great, but that's not a big deal. He's at 240. If he hits 260 with some pop and plays – Good defense. That's really, you know, that's that's that that'd be great from his first second baseman on this team that has hitting up and down the lineup. Yeah, and Cooper Davis is going to hit better than he has. He just, I think, has been slowed by sitting out. I think Bolger is going to be a terrific hitter for them. Um, it's not shown up in the stat line, but I, it's not the 2019 team because I don't think you have a Martin and a bladet in there, but my goodness, you know, that team was so deep with its lineup and I'm starting to think this might be the same. Yeah. It's, you know, clearly it doesn't have the veterans and the guys, you know, that have been through the sec and you can definitely count on and, you know, on a road, well, they did play on the road and played well, but um, yeah, I just, the depth of the lineup is what has jumped out to me in the last couple of weeks. And Carter young is just, he, 
I think even one of his outs yesterday was a line drive to center field, I believe, or or maybe Saturday. He is just uh, he just so consistent with his approach. Well, Jason Gonzalez is another one. Jason has just been remarkably consistent. The strikeouts have not come in bunches. Now, he's a different guy than what I thought he'd be. Right now, he's like a high-on-base guy with moderate power, uh, which is not what we thought. But that kid all of a sudden has just become a really steady hitter. I mean, that's a you talk about a luxury putting a kid like that in the nine hole. That's crazy. Yeah, not I don't you know I don't think a lot of people were counting on him. We were glad to see him back in the program and knew he'd be given every opportunity. But I you know he's exceeded expectations so far. Best catcher between Romero and Rodriguez. What's your pick? Um, no strong opinion there. Um, I'd probably go with CJ, just a little bit more of a track record last year, even though he tailed off a little bit. I have, again, I, you know, they're statistically, they're both about the same, uh, you know, again, Romero showed that pop, but that was on a Sunday. And I mentioned, don't know that have the quality of that Georgia state pitcher there. So I would, uh, I kind of like the platoon. It looks like Romero has been lighter starter, right? Pretty much. I think so, which makes sense because if you think Rodriguez is your guy, give him a rest in game two. But didn't Romero play in game three? Didn't Romero get two starts? Uh, yeah, and of course, that's a lefty-righty situation, too. So maybe that's it. That's yeah, got something yeah, that to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Romero obviously got a lot more power. I want to see Rodriguez drive the ball, which I, I've seen him do a little bit lately. Um, but he's a guy that's made contact, but the quality of the contact since he's been at Vanderbilt hasn't been great that I've seen. Now, I know they've seen different things in private, but I need that to show up a little bit more for him. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And that's just one where like, like you just said, the clearly they, they see those guys more often. I think they're both, uh, both really good catchers. They've done a good job defensively, you know, both throwing out, you know, showing a strong arm there. So, um, no, e- either one I've got confidence in. Let's get into the mailbag that is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan, Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent, Operating out of Brentwood, who can take care of all your insurance needs. Give Josh a call today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshumintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Fourteener Door asks, Buy or sell Carter Young as a 2022 first rounder? I, you know, not my area of expertise about scouting and what's transferable or tra- what, what, you know, what, what carries over. I'll buy him as a first team All American next year if that helps answer the question. You know, I think he has been fantastic. He's obviously a very good defensive player and he drives the ball. He's shown power. I don't know what more you want from a, a shortstop. So, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, I made that comment to somebody last week, and I'm not a draft expert either, but he's such a smooth fielder. He's got a good arm. He's got great instincts. He's fluid. And the power has started to pop, and he's a switch hitter. I mean, if I if I didn't know any better and I'm not checking mock drafts, I would say I'm buying it. Yeah, I don't. I forgot the switch hitter part. I don't know what else you want out of a shortstop. And He's not one of these guys who you are, you know, can he play shortstop at the next level? He is, looks like a shortstop to me. So uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, he's been, like I keep saying, he's been terrific. Next one is from 
the U Titans with Casey Hayward being released by the Chargers. It made me think Hayward has had the best pro career career of Vanderbilt Lum since you've been following the program. In my opinion, it's him or Cutler or Cunningham. Who do you think the best pro uh, for Vanderbilt has been in the NFL since you started following Vanderbilt football? It's a good question. Uh, alums in the NFL. You know, Cutler was, for all the crap he took, was was obviously a very good NFL player. Um, Hayward, he's been in the Pro Bowl, right? And Zach Cunningham, has Zach Cunningham been a Pro Bowler? Uh, I don't think Cunningham has. Hayward has been, I think, a Pro Bowler a couple times, and I think he's been an All-Pro, which is even better. Yeah. Um, I, I, you'd have to say Hayward, then. I mean, being an All-Pro is, you know, a lot of people don't pay attention or know the difference between Pro Bowl is, is nice, but that means yeah. just you're one of many, many guys. That's like making be, the All-Star game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pro Bowl, um, All-Pro means you are one of the, the best cornerbacks in the league. You know, they pick two cornerbacks on that, so... I think it would have to be him. I'm looking at all the players drafted um, back to when, you know, the basically the early Corey 90s. Chavis, I think, would be in the conversation, too. Corey Chavis. Corey Harris had a nice career. Um, but, again, he was just a, a long-time solid player where, where, again, if you're talking Casey Hayward, who at one point was considered one of the best two or three tight end, uh, cornerbacks in the league. Um, so, yeah, I would. that's a good question, interesting topic. I would say uh, Casey Hayward. Yeah, Hayward, I've just looked him up on Wikipedia. Two-time Pro Bowl, 2016 and 17. Two-time second-team All-Pro, which, you know, second-team, but still that's one of the best four corners in the league at a premium position. NFL interceptions leader in 2016, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Uh, and Pro Football Focus 2010's All-Decade Second Team. That's pretty highly wow. regarded, too. Uh, Corey... I think only made one Pro Bowl, but goodness, he started 10 or 11 years. Cutler, I, I tend to think people discount contributions of solid quarterbacks who play a long time. Uh, Jay was never at the top of his game, but it's the toughest and most valuable position to play in all pro sports. And look at the contracts just an okay quarterback gets every time he hits the free agent market. That tells you something. I mean, to me, it's probably Hayward or Cutler. And I'd have to give it some thought. I'd probably Hayward, but I don't know that I'm convinced of it. I would go Hayward one, Cutler two. But I, your point about being a consistent, consistently productive quarterback over basically a decade, there's not too many guys like that. So um, yeah, I, I would, I would agree. And I, I remember, you know, I guess Casey was a freshman on the 2008 Bowl team that that had Myron Lewis. And I remember talking to some coaches there saying, yeah, Myron Lewis is a good player, but Casey Hayward's the best best defensive player on this roster. And that was after his freshman year. So he kind of knew he was going to have a good career. Um, I think we're out of questions for the mailbag. I do have one for you, though. Have you picked the final four yet? Um, I literally was just, we have a, we have a pool at the Athletic. Um, and I'm looking for mine. I think I picked, I lost my tab. Um, I don't have a bracket in front of me. It was Illinois, Ohio State, Gonzaga, and Alabama, I think. I picked a lot of upsets early, but it ended up, ended up going with two ones and two twos. So it was one of those where I, I don't put a ton of thought into it. I just kind of like, oh, yeah, I like that team. I like that team. I go along. I uh, didn't go into it thinking I was going to pick Alabama to win it, uh, to win their bracket, but I just 
going up each matchup. I like them in each matchup. And I, I think they proved a lot in the tournament. I was always saying the thing with Alabama, that it's so reliant on the three that it's hard to win a tournament or win X amount of games in a row uh, because you can't rely on it. Well, they won the tournament without, you know, they shot the ball obviously great in that stretch uh, against Mississippi State and then for a stretch against Tennessee. But I don't have it in front of me, but th their percentages weren't out, weren't incredible there. And um, and they still won the tournament. So I, I think they've got enough to, to, to win, to get to the final four. Mitch, want to give you the floor for closing thoughts and also to promote anything that you've got coming up at the athletic and also, of course, your Twitter handle, please. Yeah. At Mitch light is the Twitter handle and, uh, nothing imminent. Uh, I know Joe's going to get involved with some Vanderbilt baseball stuff and, and some obviously, you know, spring practice stuff. Uh, once NCAA tournament's over and, and, you know, I, I teased it last week, but he had that really good story on you know, Clark Lee, Barton Simmons, Earl Bennett. That was very popular, very well read. I appreciate everyone taking a look at that at the athletic that's still up there. And actually, if you haven't read it, there's a, a new deal, uh, new subscribers, a dollar to subscribe a dollar a year, I believe. Uh, maybe it's a dollar a month. I don't know, whatever it is. That's pretty cheap um, to get in the door. So you can check that out. Um, but yeah, that's about it. All right. Thank you, Mitch. All right, Chris. Take care, bud. He's Mitch Light. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vanity Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll have a couple of episodes. We'll drop later this week.